This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Right, let's get to some of your angry emails. Obviously, we're all panicking. We're all pissed off. A lot of angry people. Let's start with Bill. Bill writes, hitting approach. Love the show. I know starting pitching is our biggest problem. But for now, we are stuck with what we have, which he's right about. But there are two things that have been sticking out to me more than anything else this year regarding the Met offense. I'm sure both reasons are related to each other. But first, the strikeout numbers seem way up. Secondly, second. Last year, the Mets used to battle other teams' starting pitcher. It seemed like the other team's starter threw around 20 to 30 pitches in an inning. This year, it seems like other team's starters are throwing about 12 to 15 pitches in an inning. Is this team's hitting approach that much different this year? Are they pressing too much? An extra point that's driving me crazy, Francisco Alvarez does not take off his catcher's mask when trying to catch a pop-up. Otherwise, love the kid. So the other day, he didn't do it, and it saved him because he ran into a camera. Like, he was trying to make that play, and his head went into the camera, and if he didn't have the mask on, God knows what would have happened. So he probably should be taking the mask off, but in that case, it saved him. Um, so as far as the strikeouts are concerned, the Mets still do not strike out. That is a true thing. The Mets do not strike out that many times. In fact, here are the numbers coming into the finale against Cincinnati. The New York Mets have struck out the second fewest times in the National League. Now, striking out a few amount of times does not guarantee offensive success because the team that has struck out the fewest amount of times in the National League, the only team ahead of the Mets, the Washington Nationals. So I know the Astros have done a great job over the years of being a low strikeout team. And I don't think it's a coincidence that putting the bat on ball, especially in October, is a big deal. You'd rather have a team that's more contact-oriented. But it doesn't guarantee you anything. In fact, the bottom three teams in Major League Baseball in fewest strikeouts are all offenses that are struggling. The Washington Nationals have the fewest strikeouts. They're only averaging a shade over four runs per game. We told you about the Mets, who are second, 4.2 runs per game. And then the team right above the Mets, the Cleveland Guardians, who are only scoring 3.4 runs per game. So that hasn't been the issue. The issue is guys aren't getting hits. Like the Met team batting average is way down, and you could look across the board. Like Brandon Nimmo was having a really good offensive year. He was hitting over 300. Francisco Lindor's batting average has dipped. Jeff McNeil's batting average, especially for a guy that won the batting title, has dipped. Pete Alonso, despite the power surges, averages way down. Starling Marte is hitting for a very low average. You just have a lot of low batting averages. They're not getting a lot of base hits. Uh, last year, one of their big issues was they didn't hit for a lot of power. The Mets' power this season has been average. The average amount of home runs a team has hit this year is 42. The Mets were at 41. So their power isn't incredible. It's not through the roof by any stretch, 
but it's not at the bottom of the league. Last year, by the way, just to give you context perspective, that's what really matters. The Mets hit 171 home runs. It was also slightly under the league average. And they were in the bottom half of the league in home runs. So their power numbers, to be fair, are not much different from a year ago. They're actually very similar. The difference is, a year ago, the Mets hit 260 as a team. This year, their batting average is down about 25 points. And remember, baseball's batting average in general is up. So are they not working the counts as much? Um. I don't think by design. I think guys just aren't hitting. So I, I disagree. I don't necessarily think it's a, an approach issue. Benji Horowitz ri- writes, I'm sick and tired of the anti-Vogie hatred. Ooh, how about this? All he does is get on base is like saying about a pitcher, all he does is get outs. We get it. He's a flawed player, no question. But that's enough. He does the most important thing as a batter better than 95% of players. The goal is to not make an out, and he rarely does. He then provided some numbers. Amongst DHs with 80-plus plate appearances, he ranks 7th in OBA, 7th in weighted runs created plus, 2nd in on-base percentage, 11th in OPS. Pick on someone else. He's the least of their issues. Go ahead, Pete. Okay, first of all, I will – for the money he's making – that's all great. He's making $1.5 million. That's amazing. Those statistics are amazing. However, when you look at the lineup as a whole, we need a power hitting DH. He does not provide that. He provides someone who can get on base. That's great, but that's that's one skill set that he has. Once he gets on base, he's almost obsolete. Running from first to third the other day, my kid was laughing at him. It was. It's not a pretty sight. He's got no speed. If you could sub him out and put in Tim Castro's speed, that's great. But he's not that. It's good to have some money, but he can't be stationary, and he doesn't hit enough. Yeah, he's so I, I, he doesn't. I think the problem with this debate is, and I, I sort of get caught in the middle sometimes because sometimes I'm like a Vogie defender, but I also understand his flaws, which is that he needs to hit for more power. He is not the Mets' problem necessarily. He's just not good enough for what they need at the DH spot. Like, all those numbers are fair. And, like, watching him every day, he absolutely gets on base. And I think in a perfect world, would I have his bat off the bench? Yeah. I'm not a DFA Vogelback kind of guy. That doesn't make any sense. Anyone who says he stinks, you're not not right when you say that. Like, you could, I guess you could say anybody stinks. But he doesn't stink. He's just not good enough for what they need out of the DH spot. But 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 that's the point, though. You have a lot of guys that are not good enough to be what we need. So if you keep them all around, we just have a bunch of guys that are like, okay, one-dimensional. Well, but, but, we but wait a second. Players. Mark Canna this season stinks. Starling Marte this season Terrible. stinks. Daniel Vogelback doesn't stink. He's just not good enough. And... I think what hurts him, and we talked about this once before, his body says he's a power hitter, and he doesn't hit for enough power. And I I like walks. Walks are important. I thought his walk the other night could have been epic if the Mets were able to come through with a big base hit. Like, he drew two huge walks that loaded up the bases. He did. Like, I I can't say that isn't a big deal, but it would have been nice if on a 3-1 pitch he ripped one up the alley, but he drew two big walks. The problem was the guy after him couldn't come through. Evan, he could walk all day. 
Just hit it out of the ballpark while you do it. That's it. Hit a home run and walk around the bases. I don't care. (laughs) I understand. Oh, boy. Jimmy Kearney's pissed off. His uh, subject line was, quote, and this is a curse word, so I warn you, shit the bed. (laughs) Yes. Evan and Pete. Going into the organization, going into the season, the organization and fans both knew starting pitching was compromised. Quintana went down early in the spring. Verlander went down a few days before opening day. Peterson and McGill were supposed to be six and seven starters. An injury to Carrasco shows his terrible start to the season. What could we expect? But great news. Carrasco's on the mend and will be back soon, just in time for Scherzer to take his turn on the IL. If the Mets had two st- stud starters in AAA throwing shutouts and overpowering the competition, they'd have been here weeks ago. But they don't. So there's really nothing more the Mets can do with the starting pitching besides hope guys get healthy and at the very least get some depth from the rotation. Spot. I mean, by the way, spot on. Like, that's the one thing. That's why we always go back to Mauricio and Vientos because there's something you can do even if that's not their biggest issue. Their biggest issue is pitching, and as Jimmy pointed out, and we've pointed it out, maybe not as eloquently as Jimmy, they don't have options. Anyhow, he continues. The offense is putrid. The Mets can, but refuse to try and fix it. They don't have the AAA pitchers, but they do have the offense in AAA. The Rico has covered the several ways to fit Mauricio and Vientos on the roster, but it shouldn't even matter how. It's a necessity. If they shit the bed, fine. The offense couldn't be any worse. And Pete, while I totally agree with your stance on Vogelback, take a look at his numbers versus Jeff McNeil so far. With nearly half the plate appearances, they have the same number of walks. Vogelback has put up better numbers with half the ABs. So I can no longer support Vogelback being removed from the DH spot. Nothing to do with advanced stance. I just can't be hypocritical about it. I want McNeil in the outfield and Guillaume at second base. I've seen enough of Marcana. Perhaps the best defensive second baseman in baseball is Mets bench player Luis Guillaume. I'm a big proponent of players' numbers being distorted by inconsistent playing time. Guillaume had a four- to six-week run of playing time every day last year and hit nearly 300. Is it a sexy idea? No. But until Mauricio is called up, Guillaume battles at the plate and gets his hits. And if he winds up playing the season at second base, he can stuff the gold glove in his back pocket. That might be a meaningless trinket to the fans who want a championship, but I'll take any accolades that come this team's way if the season gets flushed down the toilet by July 1st. <laughs> Jimmy K, a couple of things there, your thoughts. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
First of all, Jimmy K, I appreciate. I understand people love Vogelbeck. That's great. That's fantastic, and I love that they he walks a ton. But if you're gonna sit there and tell me that Daniel Vogelbeck walking compared to Jeff McNeil who gets hits, he makes contact, and when there's bait people on base. I need someone to drive those runners in, which is why a base hit is more important to me than a walk. I get it. Vogelback's got a great eye, but I've also seen a lot of times where Vogelback will sit there and watch strike three because he, the ball, the bat doesn't come off the shoulder. Uh, as far as Guillaume, I'm sorry. That's Mauricio's spot now. Once once Mauricio gets called up, he's taking over second base. Yeah, I I, I can I mean, I agree with you at this point. I, I don't think that there's so much risk to just calling the kid up who's been playing second base and say, just go play it and go hit. Because if he hits enough, even if his defense is shaky at second base, you'll find a way to keep his bat in the lineup. You just will. Adam Menson is the last email. And we do appreciate all the emails to RicoP at gmail.com. I thought it was important to read a few because obviously it's a tough time for us as Met fans. We're all depressed. We're all scared. We're all miserable. We're all angry. We're all turning on each other. We're all trying to come up with ideas to save the season. When the truth is, the only thing that could save the season are the guys that are already there. And they just got to get their heads out of their asses. Uh, Adam Menson writes, how close are we to considering a trade for a player like Patrick Corbin? He has been decent for six plus weeks, going six innings almost every start, and obviously makes a ton of money. If we pay just a portion, I'm sure the Nats would love to deal him. I don't love paying him anything in 2024, but this team needs innings. Maybe he is the fifth starter next year or even plays the Trevor Williams role. If not Corbin, who else? If I'm Epler, I'm looking for an overpaid vet who won't cost me real prospects. Uh, so here's the deal with Patrick Corbin. He is signed for two more years. He's making an absurd amount of money. He, to, to Adam's point, here's what Adam's right about, and you may not even realize this. He has shockingly pitched well. Patrick Corbin, a year ago, had one of the worst seasons you'll ever see. And that was following another season in which it was one of the worst seasons you'll ever see. So really, since the World Series of 2019, I, I'll throw 2020 out, weird season. In 2021, he had a 5.82 ERA, and last year he had a 6.31 ERA. To his credit, he made every start. I, I mean, I hate to give him that, but he made every start. So far this year, his numbers are not good. They're one in five with a four eight seven ERA. But Adam's right. If you take a look at what he's done recently, it's not half bad. Against the Giants the other day, six innings, three runs, two earned. That'd be a top five Mets start this season. His start before that against the Chicago Cubs, seven innings, two runs. Not bad. His start before that, not quite as good, but five and a third innings, three runs. That was against the Pirates. His start before that, six innings, three runs. His start before that, six innings, four runs, two earned. No denying he has pitched considerably better. He's actually going to face the Mets over the weekend, so the Mets will take a look at him. I think the problem here is the contract. And as much as we don't think Steve Cohen cares about like paying big time money for players. It's very difficult to rationalize paying for a guy who is what we just described, which is a guy who's coming off two horrifically bad seasons. Yes. He's pitched better recently, but the best case scenario is he's an innings eater at the back of the rotation. Patrick Corbin makes $24 million this season. 
if you think that's bad, Patrick Corbin makes, you ready for this? $35 million in 2024. So the only way something like this would work is if the Nationals are paying an enormous amount of this contract or if they're attaching it to something very appealing. And, and right now, look, the Juan Soto trade was, was over a year ago, and I know that was a rumor at the time, like, hey, the Mets could offer to take on Patrick Corbin. Does that kind of lessen what they'd have to give up for Juan Soto? Too little, too late. I look at the rest of the roster, uh, Joey Manessis, I don't know what he is. He was really good for a small part of last year. You want Dominic Smith back? He's done nothing. He's got no power anymore. So I don't think there's anything along with Corbin. So you'd really need them to just eat a big part of that contract. You would, they would never do it, but their pitching staff is actually some somewhat decent. Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gordon. You're right. They're never going to do it. So this is, this is over the top. Those guys are being traded, but, but, that's what you'd have to look at. Like I would gladly take Strasburg's contract on top of Patrick Corbin to get one of those guys. Seriously. Well, that's now. Now you're talking about an eight hundred million dollar payroll if you're doing that. <laughs> oh wait, but does, does do we get pitching depth, which we don't have right now? We have we have nothing. Yeah, Strasburg, I can't touch because he doesn't actually pitch. Like Patrick Corbin, to his credit, as bad as he's been the last two years. He pitches like he literally takes the baseball every five days. And, you know, recently he's been better. I, I would be definitely afraid. I think his track record is so bad over the last two plus years that, I mean, the Nationals have to pay every dime. I got to, I don't even know if I would pay that guy, you know, $8 million a year because he had a six ERA last year. As It's terrible. As, as improved as he's been this year, I kind of agree. Now, to your point about the Nationals, Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray give them this young one-two punch that they can build around. We're not getting that. Like, they're not going to attack. First of all, they would be idiotic to attach a good young player to Corbin's contract. Now, you want to attach a veteran that's not a part of your future. That's a little bit different. Like, they're going to attach Hunter Harvey out of the bullpen, who's like a sort of veteran reliever. Okay, I mean, the Mets could use him. You were just talking about needing bullpen help offensively I mean, look at their roster uh um, cj abrams no but he's a no he was the key to the, 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 the trade no jamie candelario <laughs> no he's hitting 216 uh alex call lane thomas joey Man- joey manessis would be the guy they probably wouldn't give a rat's ass about because he's 31 years old he finally got to the majors last year i just don't know how good he is but even that bro like the nationals would have to pay Almost all of that contract. He's making $35 million next year. Like, what? What? But but I will say this. Uh, who sent the email? This is Johnny K. Who, who sent this one? Uh, this email was sent by Adam Menson. Adam, you're on the right track. Like, you got to look at Oakland. I don't think they have anybody that they're looking to get rid of or that it's worthwhile. But maybe Chicago White Sox. Your, were they, was that your pick to win the World Series, by the way? Yeah, it went well, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, go look at Chicago White Sox, see what they're selling off. I don't think St. Louis is going to sell anytime soon, but those are the teams you have to start looking at. Be like, yeah, but Lance Lynn, Giolito. But Pete, you're right. Like, you're right about that. It ain't happening in May. The Mets have to figure out a way to right the ship. Now, what we have going for us is, as Aaron Boone says, it's a long ass season, number one. Number two, there are a lot of teams that make the playoffs. And I don't know how good the, after you get past Atlanta, 
and LA and San Diego, and obviously someone wins the Central, the league is flawed. So the Mets have time to fix it. That's, I guess, the beautiful part about the era we live in now. If this was 1962, the season would be over. Let's be honest about it. It would just be, it's too late. You can't recover from this. So there's time to recover, but it's got to start now. This stretch of games has been an absolute nightmare, and I feel bad that we even said on the Rico, hey, over the 13-game stretch, would you be happy with 8-5? and five? Just to give you an update, this 13-game stretch that we talked about, which started against the Detroit Tigers, so far, they are 2-7 and seven in the 13-game stretch. 2-7. and seven. So if the Mets somehow swept the Nationals of all four games, they would finish that 13-game stretch 6-7, and seven, which we would have been very upset about a few weeks ago. Now, if they go 6-7, and seven, some may say it's the greatest 6-7 and seven in the history of baseball. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. I do like that. I like that spin. By the way, you are we sure we know who's pitching in the, in, in the National Series? Because all I saw was TBA, 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 TBA. So here's what I do know. Uh, it will be Tyler... Max Scherzer can fit in wherever they want. Like, if Max Scherzer's feeling good, yeah, he could pitch Friday, he could pitch Saturday. I am not expecting that, by the way. I don't think Max is even going to pitch in this series. I think he's going to end up on the IL. So, assuming they keep guys on their days, Tyler McGill would pitch Friday against Mackenzie Gore. Joey Lucchese would pitch Saturday against Trevor Williams. The Scherzer day or the David Peterson day would be Saturday. And then Sunday would be a showdown between – actually, hold on. Let me make sure I'm reading this right. Because remember, it's a four-game series. They play on Monday. They play Fr- on Monday. Yeah. yeah, so it's Friday McGill-Gore, Saturday Lucchese-Williams. Sunday would be Peterson or Scherzer. And then Monday, the wraparound game would be Justin Verlander against Patrick Corbin. And then Kodai Senga would pitch the opener against Tampa Bay. So that's the rotation. Max could fit in anywhere, and then everybody would be pushed back a day. Make so, sure you bring the, make sure the scouts come out on Monday. Yes. Come on out. We got to, we got to eye Patrick Corbin. That's for sure. Uh, I think we'll do the same thing we did a couple of weeks ago with this being a wraparound series. I think we'll do a pod after the second game on Saturday. So we'll kind of regroup with a Saturday night, the Sunday morning pod talking about the first two games against Washington state of the team. And then we'll let Sunday go. Cause there's another game on Monday. And then we'll do another Rico Bronia Monday after the four-game series is over. And then the Mets come home, and they have a home stand against Tampa Bay and Cleveland. I would tell every Mets fan to put your chin up, but it's tough right now. It's a tough time. It's a very, very tough time, and I'm trying to remain optimistic. But I don't know, man. It sucks. It all sucks. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you downloading the podcast, interacting at the RicoB at gmail.com. (sighs) to be a Mets fan, to be a Mets fan. Thanks for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.